welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. As always, I am your host, Robert Jean Coleccio, um, in a slightly new location today. Just recently moved my office, so uh, apologies for the disarray over this side of the room. Um, the tapestry is hiding a cat that likes to hide, so I wanted to give her a little safe space. Um, but... Uh, before we jump into the main, I want to give a shout out to our artistic director, Lauren Krebs, who gave me express permission to keep her in the background of every Trumpet episode going forward from our production of The Shape of Things. Um, but we have a really exciting discussion on deck today. Um, this is kind of a follow-up to an earlier episode this year, Casting Against Race and Gender, um, which uh, Latrice Smith and Jonathan Alexandratos um uh, really knocked it out of the park with. Um, we had a lot of really good conversations about that. And as the summer went on, and as this incredible conversation about race and gender in theater has evolved, uh, I wanted to take a look at a different side of it. Um, now this is kind of, this is normally a theater podcast, but I wanted to really focus on the acting end of it today because I think we made a lot of valid points in our casting against race and gender discussion, but a kind of added element that has now come to the table is voice acting casting against race and gender and when and where it is appropriate and inappropriate and how we kind of go forward. Um, so I want to welcome on today, um, Marissa Esperanza and Connor McAndrews. Oh, that's the wrong layout. There we go. This is also my first time using StreamYard. So thank you. Thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Yeah. Happy yeah, to. Thanks. thanks for having us. Thank you. Anybody else bring a cocktail? Or Yes. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> a glass Hello. of wine. Here. Cheers. Hi. I thought, about, I thought about wine, but I decided to go yeah. with beer. Um, one, I wanted to keep the Elephant Room Productions logo oh, in the wow. forefront. And... Uh, Represent and two, um, you know, just mild venti rant at the top of when, when your day uh, includes a customer leaning around the plexiglass and pulling down his face cover to yell at you. Yeah, I think a beer is warranted. So yeah. moving oh, on God, to happier, no. I know. Most certainly, yeah. Um, so, so, um, so first things first, before we jump into our discussion, um, Ariz, I know you've done some readings with us before, uh, but I don't think you've ever been on the podcast. And Connor, I know you have not been a guest before. Um, would you like to take a moment and give a little intro and kind of say something about your theater background? Um, Whoever yeah, wants to jump totally. in first. I think, Marissa, uh, do you, want to go? <laughs> you started talking. <laughs> sure. so like, Wait, hi. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Connor McAndrews. Um, <laughs> Broadway World nominee Connor McAndrews. Um, I, yes, I'm an actor in the greater Philadelphia area. Um, I've done a lot of work on stage. I have a big soft spot in my heart for musical theater, but also very much, uh, love, uh, animated series as, um, Robert and I have talked about backstage during our one time doing a show together and otherwise, um, you know, in passing as friends. Um, so yeah, so great. I'm very pleased as punch to be here. Um, and I, I can't wait to share thoughts and feelings on this matter. Great. And Marissa? Hi, I'm uh, Marissa Esperanza. I'm also an, uh, an opportunistic actor in the greater Philadelphia area. I don't uh, do it often, but when I do, I love it very much. And uh, full disclosure, I have not done any voice acting before, but I know a few people that have 
Uh, my fiance does it. That's what that setup is for. But I have not Ooh, used it. Look at all it. that recording stuff. But uh, it's like fancy, like microphones and stuff. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I'm glad to be uh, included in this conversation, Robert. Thank you for having me. You you got it. Um, so yeah, I guess I what you know going back to what I said at the top, what kind of um, what prompted me to want to talk about this is uh. Jonathan and Latrice and I had a really meaningful and interesting conversation about, you know, stage and film casting against race and gender. And uh, that was kind of the middle of the summer that was right at the height of this, you know, incredible moving national conversation that has obviously ramifications well beyond theater, but, um, you know, it, it did, our entire industry did have to take a close look at ourselves and say, you know, what, are we really, you know, doing all we can do? Are there practices that we can, you know, go back on or, you know, adjust? And what I started to see was more and more uh, actors from film and television uh, in animation started speaking up about uh, this subject. And um, well, first things first, I, you know, I want to avoid any kind of blanket generalized statements through this discussion, but I think it's fair right off the bat to tip the hat to, um, we're not talking about BIPOC performers playing white characters. That is not the same. Um, <laughs> and I think if, you know, anybody who has used that argument thus far, oh, you know, well, what about this actor playing this character? Sorry, buddy. It's yeah, basically. <laughs> It's not the mm -hmm. No, um, that's not the point but, here. No. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I guess I'll just kind of open it up to you know just a general thought to both of you. Um, what are your general thoughts about casting against race and gender, specifically in regards to voice acting? Um, and is it, you know, what, what are some ways that casting against race and gender is different? when it comes to voice acting and what are some ways where some of the same intentions and challenges are the same? Um, anyway. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I have been mulling over this all day. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a pretty hard divide between casting for race and casting for gender. Um, I mean, because, yeah, there's been this huge kind of social and uh, entertainment, you know, artistic reckoning with, you know, looking back on, there are many iconic performances that are definitely, you know, a white person doing the voice of a BIPOC character. I mean, like, you look at, I would, I watched a couple episodes of The Simpsons today just to, like, get an idea. Just to get into the just, mode. Because, like, that, that's, to get in the mode yeah. and get into, like, that, that really is one of them. That, like, you know, that Hank Azaria as a poo, who, like, since has apologized. And, you know, and it's one of those mm -hmm. things that in the moment, it, it seemed right. And it's, fun yeah. in its own way it's like it's it, it, you know it's like they have an ensemble cast of characters he's not only a poo he's also you know chief wiggum and he's mo and he's yeah. uh dr nick and like all these other amazing characters it just so happens that like a poo so specifically is very you know insensitive mm -hmm. to the indian community um i think so, it's also interesting that like uh, you know there are you know, you bring up The Simpsons, and I, it, Simpsons is probably going to be a focal point of a lot of these examples. You know, there are many without a doubt. Of the Simpsons. And um, there is, and The Simpsons is, I think this it's it's not like the ultimate animated series, but it really it broke it kind of broke mm -hmm. the ice for anything. It it changed animation from you know seeming to, like something for children to something for families. Yeah. Um. 
and yeah, it really, and every, I would dare to say every animated series since The Simpsons, you see so many shades of The Simpsons in it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, groundbreaking, I think is the word I was looking for, not icebreaking. But, um, but yeah, it's like we're going to, so like, and even in the episodes I watched, I watched, I don't know which Treehouse of Horror it was, but it's the one with um, uh, Groundskeeper Willie as Freddy Krueger. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it was. It's an incredible episode of animation. You've got that, and it's the attack of the fifty-foot eyesores, and it's Homer in three D. Mm-hmm. But the fact that even itself kind of is parody- parodying the patricianness of so much of society. Um, that right, like you know, groundskeeper Willie is on fire because of the the boiler that got turned up, and he bursts into the meeting. And as he's like on fire, nobody is paying attention to him. And they're like, Ben Hooten has the floor. And he's like, I don't want my child having two spaghetti meals in a day. That like is in the writing, how ingrained, I don't know, I think the Simpsons speaks to this, to, to a lot of the society that, um, I don't know, looks the way major issues. Um, yeah. Especially, I don't know, it, it may be just kind of in the 90s. That was also in the same episode. There's the, the again, the attack of the 50 foot eyesores that the solution to it is just look away. The solution to it is just <laughs> ignore it and it will stop. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> like that is, that is the issue. Uh, what about you, Marissa? Yeah. Any, um, what are your, th- I mean, again, like you, you're coming at this from strictly a straight, you know, the experience of working mm-hmm. um, on stage and film, but you know, do you, wh- you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, casting people, uh and you know not just uh not just BIPOC uh performers like we're you know there's also the you know the constant uh let me see if I can find an example um oh how how do I share on this thing there we go part of this pot part of this episode will also be me um figuring out how this works um you know there is of course the famous uh you know, okay. people like Linda Belcher, um, and you know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of home movies characters as well who, you know, the voice is iconic, and some have argued that, you know, are, are we are we taking away, you know, are we taking away a role from a female performer to have this male right. actor play it, or is does this voice just fit the character? um yeah so yeah so so what are your what are your general thoughts well, just off the bat on you know thinking about i think about like animation like it is the setup is very different from theater is because it's mm-hmm. your character is completely animated they can look however they want they don't have to even be human and yeah. like you just need someone to lend their voice to it but at the same time i think there's there's two sides of you know like a, a, a an animated character so you have the voice and the person yeah. who does it and then you have the, the actual character and what they represent so i think there are there are instances where there are characters that their depiction their actual animation might be what is problematic and then on the back end there are some instances where it's the person that is playing them is is problematic you know so i think in order yeah. to address the issue you have to address both sides you know because like with voice acting and like you know hank azaria as you're saying voices more characters other than apu like that's i find that's pretty Mm -hmm. normal in a lot of shows 
where like, you know, a lot of actors will have the opportunity to play minor characters or like they can they can put on a new voice and, and do it like a different character, but but then you have like, oh, like a bit character. Is it a problem if there's like a stereotyped bit character that's voiced by yeah. someone that doesn't match the ethnicity? Like kind of like I see there there would be a problem in that case, you know, especially if the stereotype character is kind of a it's not, you know, like a great depiction of them, you know? Right. And oh we lost Connor. Oh no. Connor, come back. <laughs> um that's okay. Um so uh yeah, I guess I'll I'll we'll just there he is. Hi. Sorry, yes, uh, I lost I, a package <laughs> arrived at the door. I have new kitchen towels, everybody. It's very Yay! exciting. Oh my god, that's <sighs> incredible. <I> know. <laughs> um yeah, so, so then I guess, you know, going off of that, you know, we've we've touched on Apu and we've touched on Linda. Um I, I guess thoughts on Linda, you know, can I share them? A, what was that? I have thoughts on Linda Belcher. May I share them? Go, 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 go. Okay, well the thing is again, like I was saying at first that like I think there's a much harder divide between race and gender in this idea because uh I think in performance, uh in opposition to Marissa, I think voice acting is very theatrical that you have to go really above and beyond right. what is just your own human being to create these characters that are so much more larger than life. And maybe it's because I have a lot of experience doing musical theater and children's theater. So I have played things like pigs and I've played lunch ladies and like things that are like not something that a little five foot six character actor would normally do. So like, right. so I personally think, especially a character like Linda Belcher, the history behind that, right? John Roberts based the character on his mother because he famously made those videos where he is impersonating his mother doing the Christmas tree and doing Mother's Day. So that like- My son is gay. Comes from something greater than himself, creating this character of Linda Belcher. So it's not just like a man was cast to do yeah. the role because it's funny to hear a man playing a woman. He plays it with all of his heart because it comes out of a very heartfelt place for him. Right. And I think that there is, and the other thing is uh, in opposition, Bart Simpson is voiced by a woman, right? Like Timmy Turner yeah. is voiced by a woman. Like it's not, yeah. this isn't the first time in history that it's happened. This just happens to be like a very good, very like a, a focal point of like, yeah. where's the line here? Like, what could a female, uh, female identifying actor have played this? Yes. However, what's right for the character? It really feels so right that John Roberts does this voice and does yeah. it so well. Yeah, like especially and like that, gender. That is. Like gender mm -hmm. is 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 interesting because you think it's like you know you 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 want to think that you approach this like subject in black and white. Like it's not really like the reason why like like little boys in animation are voiced by women is because like the the pitch of their voices are more similar than if you were have a grown man like a voice like a young boy so you can't just be like oh yes you you must be a woman to you know you must be a small boy to voice a small boy part i think like, that's not really how voice acting works like that's not how like right. yeah. you know like, our voices yeah, and it fits better into the kind of the vision of the show, I think, that, like, Bob's Burgers is a little more kind of off-kilter than The Simpsons. It's more, yeah. like, it's not as cartoony, but then you do have these, like, right, these characters who, again, like, Gene Belcher is voiced by a grown man, and then also Tina's voiced by a grown man, so, like, well, I think no, also the interesting thing, thing, right? the interesting thing with Tina is, you know, Tina was originally written to be Dan, because Dan Mintz plays him, and it was after hearing his voice that they decided, you know, they, they didn't cast a male actor to play a female character. It was after he, his audition and the, even the pilot, it was a male character. And yeah, something about YouTube, his voice. Uh, 
There was no pilot oh, yeah. with him as Dan, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, going off of there, um, I was, you know, the next kind of part of the intro of this would have been, you know, we touched on Apu, we touched on Linda. Um, what are what are some other characters in animation that have made a significant um, impact on pop culture, you know, whether or not for better or worse, that have not aligned with the actors who played them? I, think, I mean, I, mean like, I think those are, in terms of this conversation, I think those are the two kind of most, you know, easy to grab on characters, but yeah. yeah. I think the one that comes to, to mind initially, and one of the ones that I think I realized like really early on in life was Darth Vader being mm. voiced by James Earl Jones. And like, I think it's like this idea that I found out that it was voiced by James Earl Jones, but then like, you know, people would kind of have this, this stance where like, did you know it's like voiced by a black man? I'm like, sure. <laughs> like that's like, I didn't really think about it. Like, yes, you know, Luke's, Luke Skywalker is, is white. And so is Leia. And, you know, you reveal, you take off the helmet and the, the and so, yeah, David Prowse guy beneath is, is yeah. very powdery and white and David Prowse. Right. But like, it's this idea that like, it's not like, I'm not looking for like the person under like the helmet. I'm not looking at their skin color, you know, like it's the, the voice lends right. itself so well to the character mm. who's like, uh, yeah a demonic robot wizard man, you know? And chances and are like, Emperor Palpatine knew that Anakin was a weenie and wanted to turn the nodules on his voice down. So it's like, right? you know it's what, like, make him sound like a dark, impressive Sith Lord rather than Hayden Christensen. Yeah, and he's got this this apparatus, like, let's make him like this dark, yeah. like, broody <laughs> voice. And like, who do you want? Like, who do, who do you know that has that voice? It's James Earl Jones. Like, yes, yeah. hire Even him. So <laughs> That was done in post. Apparently, the actor who played Darth Vader did like delivered all the lines. I think I've put it oh, on yeah. YouTube of him actually doing it, and it yeah, it's something. It's, you it's, are a yeah. spy <laughs> to the Rebel Alliance, and you will be. Oh, it's it's so much. <laughs> yeah. But and then and James Earl Jones didn't even want his name on like in the credits. Like they're like, yeah, just, he didn't you know, get I don't want to. I don't want to step on on Prowse's toes. You know, like I just you know mm -hmm. I came in because you guys wanted me to kind of overdub this part. You know, and yeah. You know, and that's cool on his part, yeah. you know, but, uh, I'm but glad yeah, he did that, get his due eventually. Right. But like, you know, yeah. like his voice is, you know, and that's, that's another thing. Like another issue is that when you have a character voiced by a celebrity where it's really yeah. hard to not see that celebrity in that role, like mm. it's, it, it makes it, I think more difficult, you know? Like, yeah, and well, the thing is, at the time, James Earl Jones was just, he was, like, up and coming, right? I think he'd done, I think yeah. he'd done He was just, like, he was working actor James Earl Jones. It happened as yeah. a majestic Right, like, voice. actor, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That one really got me. Yeah. You took me yeah. by surprise. Yeah, but, you know, I yeah. I was delighted. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we touched on, you know, uh, you know, just kind of dip into kind of the good and the bad of this is, uh, we actually kind of already have naturally gone into the good part. Like we have, you know, the specific characters who have made a significant impression on yourself or on pop culture who have been cast this way. Um, and what did, you know, what they brought to their role, you know, I had forgotten actually until you brought it up Connor about Linda's uh, or about uh, John Roberts mother and that being the inspiration. Um, 
but you know in the interest of you know just not pussyfooting around an uncomfortable topic are there any other characters um besides apu but we can we can definitely touch more on apu if we need to um are there any specific characters that you can think of who had you know the character or the presentation of the character has been hurt because of because they were portrayed against you know the actor's race or gender whether it's you know going into stereotypes or you know any I mean, if, if we're talking about I've gender been, yeah i've been re-watching scooby-doo where are you on hbo max just as like a little time filler because yeah. i enjoyed it as a child but there are so many racially insensitive episodes because it's just like yeah. almost every episode like what's the flavor of the week like this one's set in chinatown and that one's set on an indian reservation mm-hmm. it's like oh my god why does casey case him after the voice of every oh, nationality person across America. Oh, I'm remembering it, this now. It is painful and cringeworthy. Well, because it's, so it, are... it's not just Casey Kasem. Like, it's not just them doing the, like, the mysterious old monk that welcomes the town. Like, sometimes it's Shaggy Also, himself. Scooby and Shaggy begin doing a whole, like, like well, racial like, drag let, of, like... Let's do something about Mugu Guy Pan with chopsticks. And, uh, yes, exactly. Like, it's, you know x color face of whatever again whatever the flavor of the week is and it's like oh Oh, you just reminded me of a lot of scooby-doo episodes i've forgotten about and like that's all on hbo max and it's like that's the idea where even if you like you wouldn't fix that problem if they got an actual minority character to voice them you know Mm -hmm. like that's why like like the front end is like that's like that's that's the problem it's not necessarily like who like it is a problem like if yeah. you know who voices them but like the problem is it's how the character's written like what they're actually depicting and like that's where things yeah, so can you change think, yeah. it's yeah, a combination me, uh, of many uh, ills there that because it's also the fact that yeah. they're you know they had a small cast of people voicing it so they weren't about to hire out new people because right, literally right. casey Kasem does the voice of every old man and shaggy yeah. on the show and it's like and what's this uh, uh frank welker right who's like legendary oh, yeah. voice actor is freddie yeah. and then is the voice of again every like handsome young man who walks by and it's like okay great because <laughs> you know there's we're dip four out, people in the studio creating yeah. everything yeah dip out of animation yeah. for a quick sec but uh you marissa you just reminded me of my favorite instance of someone making horrible racial writing actually work without changing the text um mm-hmm. it was uh um is anyone familiar with the stage adaptation of around the world in 80 days I, I I might know where you're going with this, but continue. Yes. Is it the yeah. one? Um, is it the one? Some of like four actors or five actors? Yeah. So it's a, it, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like there's the, there's the core, and then there's like you got three. Two, like, and then there's like yeah, there's like two or three people in the ensemble. Yeah. There's like three like, clowns. And yeah. um, my my partner Sean was in that show a few years ago, and there's a point where they're going around the world, and they get to um, they get to China, and the person that they meet in China is very very much the like 1970s style like you know oh like talking like the slow voice and whatever Mm -hmm. and you know like holding his hands like this and the way you know and and sean had to take on that part for that scene and because it was a farce and because it was very much played up on the fact of like these are the same actors playing things you know in rep um the way he was able to save it was you know he finishes the scene does the bow and as he leaves turns to the audience and goes 
Sorry. I for those of you who for those of you who are listening to this podcast, he's mouthing. I'm so sorry, but putting his hands up. Um, I I saw that show and yeah. I was in the audience and I gave a little gulp clap, you know. Yeah. And it's just these the little things where you acknowledge, even you know, like so uh, a play yeah. that's been already written and you have text there, but like what can you do with it to make yeah. it, you know, pretty much. I think that's the important thing. It's like, like what do you do, like because you have you have an interesting dilemma there it's like do you you know there there let let's all just kind of agree that there are certain plays and films and animated programs that are you know examples of their time and you know it, it's not necessarily worth throwing the whole script away because of a problematic thing but you cannot i i don't think we have the luxury of being able to blow past without acknowledging those problematic aspects of those mediums. Yes, the sort of white solidarity and xenophobia that is inherent in a lot of American writing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, and also for me, that brings me to this point, this thing that I've just been like mulling over, because it's, you know, it's been a long couple of months since March, since the world shut down, and I love the theater so very much, but I just mm -hmm. feel like, is there any show relevant enough that we need it back right now? Like, the theater yeah. must rest. <laughs> the curtain may stay closed. I don't need to see Clue the Musical uh -huh. right now. As much as I'm sure it'll be a treat, let it rest sidebar, until though, the global pandemic is over. Sidebar, Clue the Musical is a great script. It's bad, but it's great. And I love it. It's just, as camp as it is, it's one of my favorite, like, lesser-known musicals. Yeah. Sure. But, uh, but no, I, 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 I definitely, I see where you're coming from. It's, mm -hmm. you know... I think there are also yeah. like, I also respect, you know, and I, I forget if we touched on this in the, the casting against race and gender episode, but, um, you know, there's, there's shows like lend me a tenor where the playwright himself has come in and gone, you know what, you're right. This, this shouldn't have, this shouldn't have been in the first place. So we're sorry about this. Here is, mm -hmm. so you don't have to figure out a better way for like, for those of, for those listening who are unaware, um, a big, you know, the, the big uh, thing of Lend Me a Tenor is a, um, someone has to go on for an opera version of Othello, which means he's in blackface. And that same, the actor who's originally supposed to play the character also gets in costume and makeup. And it's a lot of like, you know, mixed, you know, identities and things like that. There's, honestly, there really was no reason for it when the play was written, but there's absolutely no reason for it, it now. And that, in, it was written in the 80s, right? Like, it was written at a point at which blackface it, was frowned upon. Like, we all kind of knew. Like, yeah. Yes. Like, so, you know. And there's, so, like, one, yeah, there's, like, one decent joke at the beginning of it, because, right, like, Max, the, like, young man who's, like, kind of frail, wants to like wants to do it because they're like whatever what's his face can't perform and he's like i got it and the yeah. director's just like a fellow big black fellow i just don't see you in it max and it's like great there's one joke that's funny otherwise it could be yeah. figaro and no one would know the difference mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what that's what ended up happening it was they they changed it to was it figaro or pagliacci i forget yeah they one or the other whatever it is it's the, the clown opera and it's like oh, because all, the only because the only joke that is necessary for this farce to exist is that the character is in makeup, and 
having white clown makeup on is infinitely better for the time the play was written and definitely for now um than having to do blackface on uh on stage yeah yeah (laughs) um well then i i guess uh you know to kind of you know to kind of wind us down you know going back to voice acting um we have had a lot of conversations with theater about where we as performers go from here um where do we go from here in terms of film and animation voice acting are there you know are there still instances in this culture where non-white characters can be voiced by white actors or should we just be done with it um and and i i want to also add that you know we we there the couple of the shows in general that led this charge were you know big mouth which is only you know three or four year old show um central park which came out this year um and had kristen bell step down from her character um but then you run into this very interesting dilemma where you have shows like the simpsons and family guy who you know are still running from years before this conversation started um and you know they I think that they, you know, I think they took a very strong point by, you know, having Mike Henry step down from Cleveland and, you know, having, you know, all of their, all the actors in The Simpsons uh, step back from those characters. Um, And it's sidebar, I would, you know, Connor specifically, I would recommend you look this up. There's a, um, there's a guy on Facebook who, as soon as they announced they weren't going to have white actors playing, uh, characters of color on the simpsons um he's been posting in all the simpsons groups uh his dr hibbert impression and his uh you know his up like all of the all the characters that need to be filled now and he sounds right that's right yeah um but yeah so you know where you know where do we go like where do we draw the line now going forward now that we've had this conversation between you know well this voice fits the character best versus it's insensitive to have this actor step into this role. Like, I think, well, I, I, there's a, there's a two sides that you kind of have to address. You have to address the animation side and what they're actually depicting. And then the, the back end on who's the actual actor. And like, I, I've been reading and it seems like this idea that like it's very common for for actors to voice multiple characters. So in this case like you have yeah. a, a white person vo- voicing multiple characters, some of them are different ethnicities, some of them are different genders. But I think what the problem is is that there isn't a level playing field for voice actors of you know like POC bo- voice actors. So like you know you can have right. a black actor voice a white character or have them voice a grandmother because they have a terrific voice and it's kind of this idea that like you know it's good that some of these actors and actresses are are stepping back you know and it's kind of this it's a very it's it's a good move to kind of help address the problem and then to maybe open it up because and i've been reading like with voice acting there's there's you know there's training involved there's there's things that you know the way they breathe and and different way you can 
you know, use your voice. And like, if you don't have access to certain kinds of, of training, if you don't have access to certain auditions, then, then it's never going to become a level playing field. But if we kind of stop and like, let's pause, let's not give this to yeah. my friend who I like, and I know they have a great voice, but let's try and get someone else in there because in the past we haven't tried that hard. And I think that's a good start, right. you know, because it would be ideal, right. I think, to get to this point where anyone of any race would be free to to use their talents and to voice characters that they would never have played before, you know? Right. And that would that would be, you know, that'd be a good thing, but we're not there yet, but we might as yeah. well start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, kind of going off of that, um, you know, well, one, same question uh, for you, but, you know, to, to add on to that, like, I, I can't think of anything else besides The Simpsons that would fit into this bubble, but, like, we, you know, what are your thoughts on continuing shows who, you know, have established characters at this point um, versus the new shows who, you know, should be, t you know, again, not to make a black and white line in the sand but you know new shows going forward probably should take this conversation and say yeah exactly well, i think new shows most likely hopefully this. will yeah be more sensitive on the matter uh and i don't i, I people have been replaced on sitcoms now for 15 years <laughs> yeah this is not the first this just happens to be animated characters however like right like doesn't aunt viv get replaced in the middle of the yeah. fresh prince and like so the end right the husband yeah. and bewitched just gets completely so like it is a thing. I mean, they will happen. Going it's back a to minor. We can get used to it. Where, um, exactly. Like yeah. it's, it's not a roadblock. It's a speed bump. It'll happen. Right. And you know, in the next season of Family Guy or The Simpsons, if the characters are not gone, then I'm sure they will find a worthy replacement because there are plenty of talented. Right. Because like, because then this isn't. Uh, it's just another example of somebody of a different race playing. I think is right. Phil Lamar is black, and he does the voice of Samurai Jack, who is Japanese? Question mark. Yes. yes. He's but right, he's an incredibly talented <laughs> voice actor, and I don't think he needs recasting because he has this like glorious voice. So like, uh, and you know, I don't think that's and I I have not watched Samurai Jack, so I don't really know too much about that. I'll cut myself off there on that point. Oh, but it's so good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Is it's like incredible. But like, but uh, yes, I think that these shows that that have been insensitive in the past can acclimate themselves and recast these roles, or like we can. I, we can get rid of Apu. Like he's necessary. They need the Quickie Mart, I guess, in Springfield. But like, is there a better way? There's, to do that I mean, now? there there is literally an entire song called "Who Needs the Quickie Mart." <laughs> right. And also, there's like, you know, and there's some like, I, I understand. Like, you have like, you have some of these characters, and like, if I saw a like a Filipino grandmother you know, with the with the right accent in a show, like, I might find that funny. I might find that that, like, is a pretty close depiction to someone I know in real life, you know? Like, not, there are, there are detrimental stereotypes, and there are things that, like, are just ethnic. And you can pull yeah. those things off if you do them with respect, or you come at it at, yeah, you know, like the right way. You're not making fun of it for being what it is. You are you're sharing right. it. You're like you're yeah. opening your heart and doing the thing rather than yeah, uh, or you, you know just, doing you know, it as a mockery of that of that particular culture. Right. You're just you're right. just making the the world more colorful. And uh, yeah. and it was it was another um, 
another, like, he does a lot of voice acting, Dante Basco, who was um, Rufio in, in Hook. Oh, word, yeah. Right. And oh, like, he's, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a Filipino American, and and he was quoted pretty much saying like, if I if I had to wait for all the Filipino American roles, I would not have a job. You yeah. know. So yeah. like, yeah, like you're forced as an actor to put on, you know, in a lot of cases something that you are not. Right. But like most of the time, what actors try to do is to at least pay respect to those characters. You right. know, uh, and that's yeah. why, like, if you're if someone's depicting like, and like the the Central Park characters, the Big Mouth characters, like they're like, I think they're both like biracial, like characters, yeah, and it was, right? I, I, and I so, think like, the, the actresses were Jenny like, Slate, yeah, Jenny Slate played, um, uh, you know, Jenny Slate played a, it was a biracial, um, African American Jewish, half black, yeah, it was half black, half Jewish, and she said she was able to justify it for the three seasons, um, you know, because she was Jewish. And then she just, you know, didn't feel right about it. And, but I mean, you know, going off topic a little bit, the nature of that show, you know, what I want to see happen is I want that character to go through puberty and just have it be Nicole Byer next season. Because, yeah. yeah. Um, I also, you know, and, and what I think what the, what these shows have done correctly um, in this instance is they have assured that those the actors who are stepping back are still they still have a place on the show. Kristen Bell is still going to be a part of Central Park. Uh, Jenny Slate's still going to be about a part of Big Mouth. Um, I I just think you know it's I I don't know at this I, I I think we need to continue having this conversation and we need to really look at these. I don't know if there will never be an instance again in the future where um a character you know uh you know a character has to you know or, or a character can't match a hundred percent the actor, but I definitely think that those shows that make it a point to put those actors at the forefront are should be commended for that. Yeah, yeah, I fully, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's part of this whole kind of new discussion of normalizing, mm -hmm. learning new, like learning new things, unlearning and relearning, um, and normalizing that idea of that, like normalizing, maybe acknowledging, maybe your opinion was wrong, or that, like you, you know, you've done things that were wrong in your past. Mm -hmm. But right, like Jenny Slate, you know, didn't feel comfortable. She stepped down, and they're recasting yeah. it. So like, yes, I think that is the right thing to do, and like that's an important step to take in this in the way that things are unfolding. Um, yeah. I had another point. It's gone now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it'll <laughs> come back. Just, yeah, right. It'll, it'll, yeah, just, oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, like, you yeah. know, as, as, as long as we start, and I think that's one of the most important things is start, like, start by creating the opportunities. Start by, like, writing more characters so that you can fill them with more POC roles. Or, like, or write more characters that, you know, that minorities like want to be. Like, they don't want to get the job to play, like, the bit character. They don't want to play the Apu. Yeah. They want to play, like, these normal kind of characters. And they just have yeah. to be written, you know? Like, write yeah. them, you know, make it more inclusive, yeah. and then it just kind of will open up opportunities. Yeah, and I think, I think for me, the biggest... Because, again, oh, like, oh, Apu was created, what, 30, 35 years ago, mm -hmm. Apu was created? So it's like, yeah, of course he wasn't sensitive then, because, like, you know, he... he right. That was back at a time when... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Very old hat. It's kind of played out. The Simpsons is great, but right. it's yeah. long in the tooth at this point. 
But, well, and again, um, I think you know the thing with the Simpsons is you know they were they were not specifically casting you know let's have a white guy play the Indian character. They were yeah. a cast of six people that had to come up with five hundred characters. And right. yeah, you know, and uh, Hank Azaria is an incredibly you know, talented voice actor. Like he, yeah. his ability to create these like so distinct and so outlandish characters, like. Mm-hmm. You look beyond his career, The Simpsons. It's like, right. He was Bartok the Bat in Anastasia, and he's Agador Spartacus, and he's like, he's so incredibly talented. Helen Hunt is a lucky lady. Tell you what, we're um, not worthy of him. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, uh, you know, one, you know, to kind of like, you know, to kind of like put a bow on Apu. You know, I yeah. for for year. I mean, I love the Sim- The Simpsons is one of the most responsible pieces of media for shaping my psyche to the, you know, the way it is. And I look back very, very fondly, even on the Apu episodes. And for the longest time, when the controversy first really came to the public conversation, my initial instinct was to say like, well, you know, they present him as, you know, a family man and a business owner and they do this. And, you know, a friend of mine even made the argument once that, you know, it it wasn't it was a, it's an interesting extra layer because it's not just let's have a white guy do the indian voice it's you know that archetype that you know the convenience store owner was an established you know character in That's the 90s pop culture in 1990s yeah yeah right we've all seen like Encino man like you watch any movie from the 90s yeah. and the 711 you know the the store yeah. owner is going to be most likely indian it's like yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. a thing. And the other, the other side of the coin to that is, um, I, you know, one, I am white. I cannot mm-hmm. necessarily like. I am not the judge on what is offensive to other. Just like you know, just like yeah. straight people cannot be the judge on, you know, what is offensive to me. I, you know, I, I have to yeah. acknowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I had to grow and acknowledge the fact. <laughs> You know I was ready to talk about Matthew McConaughey in in the Texas Buyers Dollars Club. What's that movie called? <laughs> That's like that just because right? he yeah. was a straight man playing a gay man with AIDS doesn't mean he deserves an Academy Award. Like just mm-hmm. like that kind of thing is no longer bait for you know yeah. they're so talented because they can play gay. It's like no, a gay actor could have done that. There are plenty of gay mm-hmm. actors who have that in their range to do so. Sidebar: At some point. A discussion is on deck, and I now I feel like I want you in it of the pros and cons of having non-gay actors or non-LGBT actors play LGBT characters. But we'll save yeah, that for that's the something next that I think is really kind of like it's yeah. flipped over in the last twenty years of like right. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I, have, I think to to really to really put a bow in the whole Apu thing, it's you know you can say what you will about the character. You can say that the intention was not malicious, but. Um, uh, I can't remember the actor. I don't think it was Hari Kondab- um, uh, uh but it was it, it was another Indian American actor who said, you know, he's like, I never personally found anything wrong with Apu, but I did know that every week on The Simpsons, whatever Apu said was what students were going to quote back to me on the schoolyard, and yeah. you know, it's yeah. one of those things where you have to look at it, and it's like, you know, our, you know. Should should we erase the thirty years of The Simpsons that had Hank Azaria as Apu? I would argue no. But going forward, I think it's a very healthy conversation 
to say, you know what, we uh, we approach, I think the biggest thing is you have to look at the intention versus the effect. Um, and I think, you know, the intention is not a pass for, you know, if something is problematic, they think it still needs to be addressed. But I think we can, you know, I, I think we can forgive creators who look at old work and say, you know what, my thoughts on this have evolved. I did not think that at the time of creating this piece of art that this was problematic, but now that it's been brought to my attention, I see that it is, and I'm addressing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that seems like a great place to kind of wrap for now. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, this is normally where I would ask um, if you have anything to plug coming up, but um, <laughs> until uh, I heard, I did hear possible, you know, put air quotes on it, possible vaccine in November from the CDC. Right, um, Pfizer we'll, said that they're we'll releasing, see. looking to, I think, like, certify it at the end of October. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think we need to be yeah. rushing back anytime soon. No. Right. I just yeah. sometimes it's I good to take a creative I wanna perform, but I want to. I want to be safe. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'd it's going to look yeah. very different for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, again, thank you so so much for coming on today. Um. For anybody yeah, listening or uh, for anybody listening or watching, um please uh, continue to send us your work. We're hoping to get the um, uh, our Elephant Ears reading series back up soon. Um, so if you have anything to send to us, um, whether it, no matter what state it's in that you need feedback on, uh, please send it to submissions at elephantroomproductions.org. Look at that. We got it on the screen now. It's all fancy. Hello, uh, this is Editing Robert coming to you from the future of this recording, but not far enough in the future for me to have made any more uh, significant headway on my recording studio. Sorry about that. Um, interrupting my past self real quick, um, just to ask, hold off on the submissions for just a gooch. Um, this episode was recorded um, a little bit ago, and since the recording, editing, and posting of this episode... Um, we at Elephant Room Productions are in the process of restructuring the Ears series uh, to go to the next chapter. Um, and until we're done kind of working that out and when that's going to roll out, we are not accepting submissions at this time. Uh, it's going to be back up and running very, very soon. And we are very, very excited to read those plays again. Um, but just hang tight and there will be a big announcement from us coming up. Okay, back to the podcast. But until then... Um... Thank you so much for either listening or watching. Um, and until we meet again, uh, this is Robert Jean Coleccio signing off. How do I get this shared? Stay classy. Bye bye now. <laughs> Hi, everybody.